You're listening to Man Made Barbecue, the podcast, with your host, Mikey K. Our sponsors are Manbecue and Myron Mix and Smokers. If you don't know who Manbecue is, you better check it out. They are one of the coolest things in barbecue around. We do a meetup on the last Thursday of every single month. Let us take over your backyard. Let's see how much fun we can have. Looking for a new cooker? Look no further than the American-made Myron Mix and Smokers. Maybe you're a backyard enthusiast. Maybe you're a restaurant owner. Maybe you're looking to get into the catering game. They can accommodate it all. So make sure you go over to MyronMixAndSmokers.com and check out your next rig. And when you email them, tell them Mikey from Man Meat Barbecue sent you. So let's not waste any more time and let's get into this fucking podcast. What is up, guys? So today's podcast, we are hanging out with the man behind some meat. Um, we, we're hanging out with a, a rancher that is, is going to change the industry. You guys, you guys really are. So we're hanging out with Ryan from Ren brought, I'm going to put Ren and boss. Ren and boss. See, I, I, I just want to put it together. I don't know why <laughs> it runs together. It runs together. It, Ren and boss. Um, it's Ren and boss, all one word on Instagram. Renandboss.com, and then you also have Renboss. Renboss on Insta or uh, on um, dot com, right? Yes, Renboss. So, uh, Ryan, thanks so much for coming out, hanging out with us. Uh, we've been hanging out for a couple hours now. Uh, we decided to do a tasting today, which, if you look back onto the YouTube channel, uh, you'll see that we tasted three different types of uh, Denver steaks. One was a full bread. Wagyu, one was a F1 cross with Wagyu, and then the other one was just a regular F. It was, it was just a Hereford Angus cross. Herford, okay, Hereford Angus. Sorry, I'm sorry. So, um, and we got to taste the difference, the different flavor profiles, and all that. All we cooked it with was salt. Nothing crazy. By far one of the best steaks I've ever had in my entire life. Um, it was just, and it, it was it was amazing. The 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 Wagyu cross. Was was probably the dinner steak, like you said, man. That was that steak would by far bypass any steak that you have, like for dinner. Uh, the full blood wagyu was uh, that was that was that was the dessert. I mean, it, it wasn't even an appetizer, man. That was the dessert because it was yeah. so buttery and so good. But you can't eat a lot of that. Yeah, you can't eat a lot of that at all. I mean, it's it it's so rich. It's so. Yeah. So amazing. It coats your mouth and like you just you remember it. Oh my god, yeah, you do. It's it like it's just there, but the flavor profiles were so amazing. And being able to taste them all together right. was really, really cool. Because you know, you get you get these great steaks and it's like, oh, I ate this steak here, but then, you know, a couple days later or a month later you eat another steak and you're like, I don't remember was it better than that one? Was the flavor profile the same? Like you just Trying to remember that far back in it, you know, in time almost for a flavor profile tends to get a little foggy, right? So, what made you start this this venture? Because you're you're different than than most places. You are sourcing your cattle from a couple different farms, correct? Right. And um, you guys bring them to slaughter. Then you then you kind of you hang them for is it twenty eight days? Right? Is that the so we go 21 to 28, 28 days. Okay. Anybody that tells you that they hang for an exact number of days doesn't know what they're talking about. 
(laughs) That carcass is constantly responding to the environment. Yeah. And you have to keep eyes on it. Okay. And so some carcasses, if they don't have good fat cover, they're not going to last 21 days. So some some carcasses you can push them to twenty eight days because right? they have that fat cover because and they have it's fat be okay. cover right and so they're not going to you know they're not going to start developing the bad bacteria and the bad molds um, the others are you know that have a good fat cover you can push them a little bit longer you can which essentially what you're doing is helping to extract the moisture and you're getting the bacteria to work a little bit and as far as like tenderizing the the meat itself so. yeah now. You kind of saw, like, we, we talked about the industry and the, the cattle industry kind of being, I mean, it's kind of ran right now by the big corporate, you know, humans, right. and, and you're trying to change that, which I think is super cool because it's bringing, it's bringing meat back to the people that actually want good meat. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and we were talking about, like, you get a, you know, ground beef in, in that horrible tube. Don't ever buy that. But <laughs> you go, you, you know, the, how many cows are inside there? You know, you never know. Right. And then you guys are doing single cow stuff. Right. Like, everything you're getting is, is it's actually from one steer. You're not, you're not cross-contaminating that. And I'm not saying cross-contaminating isn't like you're putting, like, what everything else is, you know, bacteria in it. But you're, you're not crossing different things. So you, whatever you're eating, you're eating that pure 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 bread right yeah no we like whenever i started this it was to reintroduce people to the ranchers right it's to reintroduce them the people who are creating their food the people that are raising their food is to take all the other nonsense and take it and set it aside and let them have a conversation back with those people so they can tell them exactly what went into creating their product that ends up on their plate and, you know, a lot of times visibility and transparency comes with this, like, huge scare tactic mentality. And they're going to try and scare you. Oh, I'm never – but I'll promise you this. I'm never going to tell you that you're going to die if you don't eat my product. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell you you're going to have a hell of a lot better experience. I'm not going to lie to you. You might die if you eat his product in a way of, like – just amazingness. <laughs> like, you're going to be like – take that. Or you could be ready to – you're like, yeah, you know yeah. what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll take you know. I'll take a last meal. I take yeah. a last meal request. Like, I, I would. I would say. Do you, you have any prisoner <laughs> listeners that have like a last meal request? That might be a checkbox that I didn't know a I a had. Checkbox. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this just became a thing. It right? became a <laughs> became a thing. Uh, no, but I, I, honestly, like what you the the quality of meat that you guys are producing, it's just it's mind blowing and. I do want to talk a little bit about the the word that everyone likes to throw around right now, and I think it's the word that's getting really, really big in American beef that nobody fucking understands is Wagyu. Right? Nobody understands that damn thing, and we talked about this on the Crowd Cow podcast, okay. and he talked about how people are throwing that word around like it's right. the new greatest thing, but most people don't know what it means. They associate it with a higher price point, mm-hmm. but they have no idea what they're looking for. Right. And you kind of broke that down once again for me really, really well on what's going on in that industry. Yeah. You know, I I think that there were a lot of companies that unfortunately took advantage of a lot of buzz, right? Yeah. 
And that there buzzword. Was, there was a ton of buzzword around Wagyu. There was actually, initially, there was a ton of buzzword around Kobe. Yes, Kobe was the big one first. Right. And so, if you remember, there were a lot of companies that, quote-unquote, sold Kobe beef for yeah. Kobe burgers, right? Yeah. And then they got kind of schooled. They were informed, no, that's actually not by definition Kobe at yeah. all. You might be selling Wagyu. And then, they're, okay, yeah, we're selling Wagyu. Well, then... They further digress and they say, well, upon further research, we, we find that you're actually not selling Wagyu. You're, you're crossbreeding these animals out to, with Angus and all these other yeah. breeds of cattle that are predominant in the United States. And they're like, oh, that's domestic Wagyu or that's American Wagyu. Yeah. Well, that was never really truly a thing. That was just people getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I was going to say, American Wagyu is not necessarily a real thing. No. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, I mean, now there are people that create great product that cross Wagyu with Angus, right? We had a great steak yeah. today. It yeah. was a phenomenal steak. Yeah. And, and and I think that there are a lot of people that get their hair blown back by a product that is a Wagyu crossed with another animal. But at the end of the day, we have to be transparent about what that is. Yeah. Because, as you could see, that Wagyu Angus Cross is a heck of a lot different than a full-blood Wagyu. Absolutely. Yeah. And so... The flavor... I mean, you you just blind taste testing flavor. I mean, it's... Yeah. By far different. Flavor, texture, everything. Yeah. And so... You can eat... You can actually eat more of it... Right. ...than you can with that true Wagyu because like you eat that Wagyu you eat two three bites of that Wagyu and you're just like okay (laughs) you're just waiting you're waiting for the stairway to heaven yeah exactly (laughs) it's so good but it's so rich that fat it it just has so much fat content yeah so yeah I mean I think that that the American Wagyu and domestic Wagyu or whatever people are trying to can it right now yeah that was literally them getting caught and them saying, oh, well, this is how we describe it. Well, that's, that's really not it. They're, they were crossing those animals. And the reason they're crossing those animals with Angus or Charlet or um, Hereford or Brangus, whatever the, cat, whatever the, the other breed was, was yeah. right, is the reason because it, it takes a really long time for Wagyu to get to slaughter weight. They, okay. just, they just take much longer to mature and reach slaughter weight. Once you start adding Angus into the mix, you start taking time off. So you start to increase your efficiency. So people were essentially increasing their efficiency and decreasing the, the effect, right? Yeah. And, but it, but mean, they were selling it as the same. Because but, and if you look at some of the stuff, they're, they're giving, I mean, it's, it's almost rating almost like prime. Right. It's not even close to what, like... Close to what it should be. Right. But yeah. yeah, people are paying top dollar for it. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, I think that there's a lot of confusion. And that the unfortunate thing is a lot of companies up to this point have benefited from that confusion. And so that's kind of where our stance is. is We want to take all the confusion. We want to take this whole leap of faith in a label out of things. And I want to just reintroduce you back to the dude who raised it. Yeah. And I want him to be able to tell you every variable. So if it was a Wagyu Angus Cross, if it was a Wagyu, 
or if it was a Hereford Angus cross. I want him to tell you where it was raised, what it was raised upon, as far as diet type, because there is a ton of scientific research that shows that has almost as much effect on the finished product than does breed. As as the um, the first one that we tasted today, we, we went we went from I guess I don't want to say lowest grade to highest grade because that sounds horrible. Yeah, when yeah, you're, yeah. you're when you're in that high high level, you're not there's really yes. you're not going to a low grade, but. Um, but it is funny when you put all three of them together, it does make, it almost makes that prime right. looking one look like choice. <laughs> <laughs> but you bring up a great point though, because that's what we got to, right? We got to a point where we, de- we declared, we, we got to a point where we declared the value of a product based on marbling alone, which is not correct. Right. And that, and that's it, right? Like, and so if you look at how they grade animals today on a commercial scale, yep, they will essentially harvest an animal. They'll hang that animal up. He goes down a rail. They cut him between the 12th and the 13th rib. They take the size of the ribeye off that 13th rib, yep, which is the diameter of the ribeye. They take the marbling and they take the fat cap, right? Yep. And the entire grade, so whether it goes select, choice, or prime, is based on that. Yeah. That one piece. One ribeye, right? And that's – and industry shows – or the average shows that they get six seconds to make that grade. And so we we pay, we pay put so much emphasis just on marbling. And marbling, I'm not going to say, doesn't help. Help, right? Like it does – It, it like, definitely helps. It, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we, we all love a great marble steak. Yep. But at the end of the day, we can't – like – the fact that we we judge a product cons- like solely with our eyes, yeah. But is, people eat with their eyes, and that's the hard thing. It's true, right? But at the end of the day, you have to eat that, and you have to also eat what that product ate. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, and it, yeah, in a way, yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. You, yeah. You're eating what that product ate. I mean, the 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 first one that we had, which was the, uh, it was the. Why it's a Hereford Angus. Hereford, Hereford. I can't keep forgetting the word Hereford. I just want to call it an Angus. I'm like, <laughs> the Hereford Angus, it it, um, it was a little bit sweeter. Yes. And like you said, it, it finished on apples. Yes. And I I don't know if it, you just put it in the, you know what I mean? You're like, well, it finished on apples. And it's like, it does have a little bit of that sweeter, apple-y taste. But it, it was just, it was, a, it was a fantastic bite, don't get me wrong. But it was, it was, it was very, very different than what most... Of the beef that I'm used to consuming, because of the way the animal was raised and the the way the animal was fed, and I, I normally don't get that sweetness off most of the beef that right. I eat. But it was a fantastic. It, it hit the palate very very nicely. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, no that that animal was raised by a great buddy of mine, Russell, out of uh, northern New Mexico. Raises his cattle in the high desert. Those animals forage on very, very nutrient-dense, high-protein grass in the high desert of New Mexico. And then he finishes them on either apples or pumpkins. Okay. And and it creates such a different product than what I do. 
and but I'm just as happy to promote his product than I am. As, yeah, but it's a different. Pro- it's, it's it's a total different flavor profile of what you're going with. It's almost like um, you kept you you know you all night we were talking about like wine and, and doing like stuff like that. Don't, I'm not a wino. I don't know shit about it. Don't don't send me emails. I don't care. Um, I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. That's about as far as wine I get. Um, and I should know more than right. Fuck. Uh, but um, it. it I know more about beer, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna go that route. It's almost kind of like craft beer in that sense, where 100%. Um, maybe I like an IPA and you like a pale ale. You know what I mean? And it, it, it's that di- like what's gonna pair well with it, right? 100%. Because it's a little bit sweeter, and that I, I think that's it, it's almost adding a different element to people's dinners now and in my head at least it would where it's like okay well what sides do i want to pair with it to make it all complement itself you bet right because that's another flavor profile that you're putting into it that i don't think a lot of people thought about in and i think that the beef world like you said it's like they big packers want it to be beef they want it to taste like beef doesn't matter it's just fucking beef like good beef yes but unfortunately not all beef is created equal, and not all beef comes from the same place. Right. Listen, they, they're not – it's not like they, they made like a 12 by 12 little <laughs> ring, and they were like, listen, they're all coming from here. Yeah, like no. That's not how it is. Like, And a grass is different everywhere, and, and grain is a little bit different everywhere because different nutrients come from the soil and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, I mean, shit. Yeah. Apple – you grow apples – and they're different in different regions, right? Absolutely. Because they're, they they taste differently. Yes. Olive oil, or you know, it's like uh, if you're Italian, olive oils. It depends on what region you get that you get that you know olive from, on what it produces. Hundred percent. So why is it that we just decided that like, well, beef's beef, beef is beef. Pork's the same. I mean, pork's yeah. the same way. Like if you get a pig from somewhere different, they taste a little bit different. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well. The only thing that's not that way is chicken. Yeah. Well, they're always taste fucking like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there are four companies that control eighty-five percent of the beef that we consume, and they want it to taste like beef. They need it to all taste just like beef. Yeah. Right. They need us to think that it all just tastes like one product. But that's and not right. That's not that's not the way it is. Right. Terroir is a French word that talks about. The region in which a grape was inhabited, right? Yep. Like the, where it comes from, and it picks up distinct characteristics. Yeah. That applies to coffee. That applies to cheese. That applies to... Tons of different things. Wine, especially, right? Yeah. It applies to beef just the same. There are over 800 different breeds of animal, or different breeds of cattle on this, on this planet, and they're exposed to thousands of different diet types. Like, there is not just one word that describes this beef protein yeah. that we consume, right? Like, it, it, it can't be just described as that. Yeah. And we shouldn't take it as just that. We need to see it as an experience. And we need to explore. Because, like, it's an experience. Like, it, it is... It will literally blow your hair back. Just the difference in... Yeah. And it, it does. I mean, the I mean, the difference between the three that we had tonight, they were each were fantastic in their own right, but they all had different characteristics. They were all 
slightly different, right? And um, I, I think it was two or three weeks ago, I had one of Ryan's uh, ribeyes. It was a boned-in ribeye. You can see it on our Instagram. Um, and that was, I thought, was one of the best ribeyes I've ever had in my life. This Denver steak <laughs> comes right up to it, if not almost beats it. Damn it. In right. flavor, texture, and everything. Right. But it, it's such an uncommon cut. It is. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's where we're at, right? We want... It would be very easy for me to come out the gate and sell you a whole bunch of Tomahawk ribeyes because they are super sexy to post on Instagram. And everyone wants them. Everybody wants to do it, right? Yeah. But I also... Not only do I want to just essentially promote the entire animal, but I also want you to know that there is so much more experience outside of that ribeye or outside of that filet. Of course, yeah. Strip. Yeah, the Denver steak comes off the chuck. And that used to be considered, the forecourt used to be considered an area of which only tough cuts came from and these cuts had to be roasted down for hours upon hours and thrown in your crock pot and <laughs> made into some or your Traeger mush, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <no laughs> and and throwing it with your carrot and your celery and your, you know, yeah, let it, let it just go just for an hour and braise. <laughs> I'll see you when I get off work. I mean, that's how brisket was forever though too, right? Cheap, right? I mean, the, and that's how barbecue kind of really started was it, it were cheap cuts of meat right. that were given to people that didn't have either, didn't have a lot of money or, um, it, they, they just had to figure out how to cook these cuts right. of meat. I mean, cowboy steaks forever were, you know, everyone was like, nobody wants a cow. What the fuck do you want a cowboy steak yeah, right. for? It's like, that's what you give cowboys for because they they figured it out how to cook them. Right. Right. And that, yeah, that was a big thing. Like, I mean, beef jerky was a big thing. Right. Why? Because nobody wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. And so Denver comes off the chuck, comes off the four quarter. Yep. Um, it is fantastic and fantastic <laughs> steak right that gets a ton of blood flow on top of that it is very very well marbled um but it also gets the benefit from getting a little bit of mechanical tenderization whenever they hang, when that, they animal. hang that animal so the forequarter adds a tremendous amount of weight it stretches the fibers before it hits rigor mortis um and you end up with a really good product the the opposing side, which is essentially the flat iron, actually gets more stretch to it. If you put the tender the the flat iron, which comes off the chuck, um, next to a tenderloin, it is only second to the tenderloin as far as the most tender cut of meat. And the tenderloin doesn't get it, it gets very little use in the animal. Right. It, it it doesn't it usually doesn't have too much fat going right. through it because it, it's it's not a working muscle. It's just kind of a yeah. hangout muscle. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's involved in a, l- a very little, little amount of locomotion, but at the end of the day, there is almost no intermuscular marbling whenever it comes to. Now, I can show you a few animals that are special. That, yeah. That marble that gray. Marble, right? Yeah. Everybody's genetically blessed to some degree, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean... There, there are occasions where 
you know, some, some do, but at the end of the day, that's a muscle that just doesn't get a whole lot of love. Now it's tender. Yeah. And that's what it's got going for it. And it, it was marketed well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I promise you there are so much better experiences on that animal than, than just those three. Yeah. Cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your, your three primals that everyone kind of goes after. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you took those primals, so if you took the strip loin, which is your yeah. new strips, you took yeah. the rib roll and you took your tenderloin and you took even your top sirloin, you put them in a pile, you'd probably round out to about 41 pounds. The remaining amounts of beef that are on that animal would weigh in at about 410, 420 pounds. And that's where you get, you're going to start getting your briskets. Right. Your chuck roasts. Briskets, your your rib roast, or your, not your rib roast, but your um, your short ribs. Yep. Your chuck ribs, your, um, all your chuck rolls, you know, like, there is so much more of an animal to experience than just, our, yeah. like, prima donna cuts. But you're just the, the, this three <laughs> little cut. Now... The Denver steak definitely give if you're looking at it, it definitely kind of does resemble a, a New York strip. It does, yeah, absolutely, very, very much so. Now, do people ever kind of confuse those two? Um, I wouldn't be able to like <coughs> you would. Get, yeah, I, I just could see like people being like, "Oh, that's a New York strip," just because the shape is very right. similar. Yeah, no, I, and for I somebody could, who's uneducated or doesn't it, yeah. know. I could absolutely see it. I could just see somebody being like, hey, you know what? That looks like a New York strip. Yeah. And it'd be a damn well marbled New York strip, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that cut of beef is going to be way more marbled than your New York strip would be. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see it, but I I couldn't really give you any, like, accurate information. As it it, it just kind of popped in my head right now because, like, looking at them is, like, they kind of do resemble, very resemble New York strips. Right. And I just wonder if anyone's uh, put a little tomfoolery on somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, shit. People are passing other stuff off as not the right stuff, and well, um, yeah, we've talked about that. <laughs> I just wonder if, if anyone's ever been like, no, yeah, it's fucking New York trip. It's fantastic, right? I'm like, I don't know how many times I've posted. I've posted like, you know, like really, really nice chuck roasts, and people are like, holy shit, that's so marbled. Like, oh my god, I can't afford any of that. I'm like, it was. Not that expensive, right? Because it's not an expensive cut, yeah. per se. Yeah, but it was. I just know I was looking like I, I was the person who went through fifteen of them <laughs> to make sure I got the one I wanted. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't pick just the one up off the top. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think that's what so many people like don't understand is that you got to make sure you're picking out the quality meat that you really want. And I know like in, in certain places it's more difficult than others. Oh yeah. Um, we were, we were talking earlier, uh, that a lot of people just don't know. They don't, they don't know what they're looking for. So you kind of going as doing this, not, not, I don't want to say farm to table, but almost like it's like rancher to freezer, <laughs> yeah, we'll take that. Rancher to free, you know what I mean? Like yeah, kind of yeah. kind of idea or like rancher to home, which I think a lot of people are I, I think it's really cool and I think it's it knowing who raises your food is to me is really cool. And knowing that you give a damn about these cattle because people are like, "Oh my god, you just slaughter them." It's like, "You know, no, you don't understand. Like they have a good life until they die." Um and it, it sucks, you know, that one bad day. But, um, 
you know, we got to eat. Right. And I didn't get to the top of the food chain to eat like a <laughs> rabbit, so I'm going to eat the cow. Um, but what do you think is the, the hardest thing about educating that consumer? There are a lot of misconceptions out there. Yeah. Right? And there are a lot of... Um, there are a lot of companies that have really deep pockets that yep. can sway a lot of labeling, if you will. And so it it provides a lot of... I don't blame the consumer for being confused. I would be confused. I would guarantee you that a lot of people that even raise the products that they consume are confused about the products that they consume. I'll tell you a story. So I will never forget, like, I was born and raised on a ranch in Oklahoma. And I'll never forget, I was walking to the grocery store with my dad. I just assumed that the grocery store sold the beef that was from our ranch. Right? Like, I just, yeah, it was, like, it's down the street. Ranch, was, there are grocery stores down the road, right? And we're walking through, and I'm like, hey, dad, that's the beef from our ranch, right? And he started laughing, and he's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? Who's, whose beef is it? Shit, I, I don't know. No, <laughs> He's like, I don't I have no idea. No way to know. And I'm like, okay, well, where's where's the beef from our cattle go? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, son. They get loaded on a truck and they go down the road. I mean, like, there's no way to know. I'm like, boy, we spend so much time selecting genetics and breeds and, and ensuring that they get the best absolute forage or, or feed types and we just load them on a truck and we send them on the road you know yep yep and, and that I can remember that just seeming so foreign to me I'm like well why do we even care right and I like well I mean it, it, it's almost like why do you even care because somebody down the road could not so right. you could get, give two shits about it and you're getting the 100% yeah, and that and that animal ends up in the same pen as the animal from the person who didn't give a shit. And but how does someone tell the difference? Whenever it's one moves louder. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, there's cellophane that covers that stuff up, right? So I mean, yeah, I mean nobody can know, and and unless you can develop a relationship with that producer and say hey look what were the variables that this this animal was exposed to right like yeah you're you're never going to know you know but i feel like a lot more people are wanting to say okay i i'm buying my cattle or i'm getting getting half a cow from somebody who's giving a shit i'm getting i'm buying half a cow or a quarter, you know, a quarter beef, or right. if you have the freezer room, a whole cow. I mean, that's a lot of fucking food. It's like you're you're set for like a <laughs> long time, unless you're like, I don't know, you have like 500 people in your family, you have a football team, or yeah, your football <laughs> team, and you're literally just going to town on it. But I, I think more and more people, or or a lot of people, are splitting, you know. Hundred percent. You know, yeah. it's like four, four or five families go into it, and they say, "Hey, we're going to split a cow." Yeah, we we came to market as a crowdfunding website, right? So, and we still we will never deviate from this. Where we show you the animal in the field, 
and you have the opportunity to say, hey, I want a quarter of that animal. Yeah. Or I want a half of that animal. Or I want the whole animal. An animal, or the, that cow will yield about 450 to 470 pounds of beef once it's slaughtered. Yeah. And so, you know, there's an opportunity. And that, that, that's a 1,300-pound animal. That's about a thirteen to 1,400-pound animal. And so what we try and tell consumers is that there is – whenever you do that, not only are you procuring, like, the best beef and you know – you can guarantee every detail about that. Oh, no. I can guarantee it. I'll tell you right now. Ryan's – he's getting you the best beef possible. But, like – there's also so many sets of experience experiences within that animal. I mean, people say, "Oh, people unfortunately like to think that and the cows look like weenie dogs and that they're yeah, you know, hundred ribeyes long, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's yeah, not yeah. the case. You get a hundred ribeyes, right? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I wish. I mean, like it'd be I mean, great. Some people, fantastic. They're yeah, just full I mean, with ribeyes. That's marketable. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's not. But I think it's a good thing, and I think that people, if they can get a, a little bit out and venture out into different cuts and start to experience how much there is to but offer. But, like, I mean, I'm a huge, big fan of hanging muscles. I mean, I I, I like the hanger stick. Oh, I, think, I think it's a fantastic cut. You know yes. what I mean? You can, you can do some amazing – you can make some amazing tacos out of it. You can make some amazing uh, – you can do fajitas out of it. You can do a ton of different stuff. So we did a pepper crusted steak the other day. Took the entire hanger loin. Yeah. We rolled it. Just we did a softened butter, rolled it in butter, rolled it in uh, salt and like a really coarse ground pepper, seared it to medium or to like rare, medium rare, and just let it hang out. Put it in the fridge and then cut it paper thin and made baguettes out of it. Put a little like onion jam mm. and like burrata, or like burrata cheese on it. Like I'm telling you, you will literally blow people's dresses back. Like it is, it is unreal. The, but yeah, I mean, hanger steak. But most people don't know what to do with it. And like the weird thing is, like you go to you go to your grocery store and you can't find it. It's true because they can't sell it. People, yeah, that's true. That's the hard part. Is if you can't sell it, yeah, the butcher can't buy it. And if the butcher can't buy it, <laughs> or if the yeah. butcher's not buying it, or he's not selling enough yeah. of it, well then, yeah, I mean, a lot it, of it's it. the education. It's the education that there's not much of. Yeah, and yeah, you're 100 percent right. And like, consumers should not be ashamed of the fact that they don't know what to do with that product. But yeah, I mean, here's here's the scary thing. It's not even the consumers. It's most of these people that most. Millennials and I'll, yeah, I'll call you guys out. <laughs> and it's not just millennials because everyone's like everyone's hating on millennials. No, it's not just you guys. It's you get millennials, then like generate whatever Gen X is, whatever. You people can't fucking cook, <laughs> which keeps me employed, which is right, great. Right, 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 right. But I'm just saying, you can't cook. Right. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. It's it, it's one of the most basic human. Like necessities, <laughs> you have to be able to eat, right? So when you like, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the, the other day, and you know, there um, we were talking about food, and she's like, you know, when I'm at the grocery store and I, I see somebody with like uh, two twenty-four packs of Diet Coke and fifteen Lean Cuisine meals, it's like, dude, right. you can't cook, can you? Yeah, no. Like you can throw it in the microwave and press six, and then yay. 
Right. But you can't cook, and then you don't understand. Then you look at prices, and they're like, well, lean cuisine's $1.75. So yeah, yeah, I don't fucking want to eat yeah. cuisine, bro. Yeah. And that, yeah, imagine what went into that meal for somebody to make a profit at a dollar seventy five. And they put packing on it. They, they put an artist. There was a photograph. All yeah. this shit. Yeah. yeah. So the quality of food. Yes. Yeah. Mm, that steak's probably not real steak. Right. <laughs> I ate a cockroach once in college for a dollar. I would be uh, hard pressed to eat lean cuisine. I think. <laughs> was it a live cockroach? It was. It? I oh, needed beer money. <laughs> Jesus. Did <laughs> oh. you call uh, champagne taste in a beer budget? Right? Oh, there you go. I mean, I, I've, I've definitely eaten um, grasshoppers. Yeah. And stuff like that. Uh, one of our friends brought it, and she was like, "Who's gonna eat this?" I'm like. Whatever. Yeah. They don't taste like anything. They just crunch. Right. Uh, but they taste like whatever flavor you kind of, whatever rub you sprinkle over them, that's pretty much what they taste right. like. But um, <laughs> it, 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 it's just amazing to me how, like, most people don't know how to cook. Yes. And, like, I'll talk to people and, like, they'll come over and they'll hang out and it's like, yeah, cool, we're cooking. And they're like, why does this come so easy to you? And it's like, it doesn't necessarily come easy to me. It's the fact that I've been doing it, I'm willing to try, and I'm willing to try new cuts. Right. But it's so difficult to get those. Right. No, I I mean, I I agree. I think that at the end of the day, it became really easy, really easy for retailers to sell certain cuts. It's not so easy for them to sell other cuts. Absolutely. There is a word called shrink. And it's a word that the industry doesn't like to talk about, right? Shrink is a very palatable word. Shrink refers to the the amount of waste that comes off an animal. Okay. So if you look at, in 2017, USDA did a study, 1.4 billion pounds of beef at a retail level got wasted. Now, what cuts are, like... So if you look at that, right, like... The reason is, is there is so much velocity, so much demand for your New York strips, your ribeyes, your like filets. we were talking about right. it earlier. It, yeah, I mean, you absolutely. got a you got a really busy steakhouse. Yeah. I mean, they can go through four or five cows an hour. Right. But that's not just four or five cows. That's four or five cows back muscles in and out. You know, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like four or five, like <laughs> yeah, right. just just a small right, segment right, right. of those cows. Yeah, that's kind of what absolutely. I'm and so there's so much more of that cow that exists, and and you have to do something with right. it. Right. But at the end of the day, it became difficult for people to market the rest of that animal, and so people just became okay with there being a certain amount of loss with that animal. With and they just kind of worked it into the other yeah, price. They just worked it into the other price. With us, we're like, hey, look, let's 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 show you what you can do with this, and I guarantee you, it's going to be as much, if not a better experience. A lot of people have, like, if you were to show someone a beef shank, they would have no idea as, as to what they were. Oxtails, it's oxtails starting to become oh big. My goodness, yeah, they have no idea what to do with it though. Yeah, Mo- or most people don't. Right. If you were to ask me, beef cheek over brisket, beef cheek all day long. The amount of collagen that breaks down and renders and just becomes this umptious, gooey, just delicious nuts. Now, now, when you, what is the regular? What's a normal size beef cheek? Um, so I would probably say it's about two pounds. Okay, so 
it's much smaller. So like if you, if you're looking at into into cooking faster, right. or or not taking yeah, eighteen yeah. hours for dinner, you just yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah take four yeah. Um, it's a, it's a little bit better, a little bit faster of a cook. Yes, absolutely. It's and you are going to, and think about this. Right? And also, if you not to yeah interrupt yeah. on that, but uh, like how many people want to cook a brisket? And they live in a family of three or four. Right. And you're like, you live in a family of three or four and you're trying to buy a fucking brisket? <laughs> like, do you want to eat brisket for the next three months? Yeah, are you going to commit to that? <laughs> like, can you commit, like, what else are you going to eat? Right. Because it's, it's brisket for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the right. next week. Brisket taco, brisket. Like, you sandwich, can all, you, you're going to get real creative with brisket. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and that's the thing is... You know, like consumers have recently turned on to the brisket, and it became this like very like marquee item. Yeah, which is awesome. I love the fact that it became this marquee item. But there are so many other cuts of that animal that cook just like the brisket does. Yeah, and rendered like down. brisket on a stick. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's exactly what I call my beef ribs: is brisket on a stick because it has that marbling throughout, like the point does. So you can still get that really, really good flavor. Yes. And the bone, the bone when it heats up, it releases that flavor into the, into the, into the into the meat. It just it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I, you you go short rib, you go chuck rib, like a, the brisket. A cheek, all those are, are or shanks even. All yeah. those are long cook items where they that collagen starts to break down and render, and it adds a silkiness to the beef. That yeah, then that nothing else does. Nothing else does, right? You're not going to get that same texture on a on a steak, quote unquote, cut. Item. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's an absolutely different experience, and they can be cooked in a similar manner. Um, but I feel like they offer kind of their own little, uh, unique, yeah. you know, strong points to each one, you know, each, each one of those cuts. So we were, we were talking, I mean, we were talking about tri-tip, which we, uh, we were talking about before the podcast, but it's like, that's not a, that, that's not a really big cut yet. Still, it's no. still, it's still working its way up. Right. But it tastes fantastic. It's awesome. You cut it wrong, it's just fucking shoe leather. <laughs> yeah. But if you do, if you do it perfectly, and it's not that hard, you cut against, cut across the grain, not against the grain. Right. Or, yeah. Did I just butcher that? No, you no, did it right. Yeah, across the grain. grain. So if you say it, then you're like, wait, wait, wait. That is that. <laughs> did I just butcher that? Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're going against the, uh, you're going uh, against the, uh, across the grain, and it, it just, it's perfect. Yes. And it's tender. It, it tastes perfectly. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, you gotta go medium, medium, or uh, medium rare on it, almost rare." I feel like with that cut, you gotta go a little bit higher. You gotta go to that medium. You gotta go to the, go to that nice medium because those that you know the fat needs time to render a to render bit. itself down. Yeah, I mean, I, they're taste is subjective, right? So I'm not going to prescribe yeah. one way of cooking or. Or one cut to, or even one breed of animal to any one consumer. But at the end of the day, you're 100% right. Like, there, there is a ton of intermuscular marbling in a tri-tip. And if it you, needs that time. If you give it a little bit more time to render, then yeah. But the other thing is you got to give it some time to rest. 
Get, yeah. Give it some time to hang out. Give it a second. Especially with the tri-tip, you're cutting a... You're, it's you're a giant. a bigger piece of beef. Yep. Right? And so it took a little bit more energy to get it to temperature, and it needs to chill out. It, need, it needs time for... It, the juices need to re, redistribute. Yeah. Now, now, with a steak, I think like people are like, oh, you need to rest that steak. I've n- I don't find that most steaks need that much time to rest. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, like, like, like a New York strip, to me, I can sear it, put it on the plate, and... Start eating You're it within five minutes. Rolling. There you go. <laughs> uh, but I don't see that big of a difference if I rest it for five minutes or if I rest it for 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that would be a great thing to look at as far as, like, the amount that each individual cut needs need to, need to rest. And I'd love – I mean, like, that would be something I'd love – if anybody wants to make a donation so that we can <laughs> <laughs> so we can figure that out and <laughs> run some real scientific tests there yeah i mean but i think that you're kind of spot on right like there is less mass that is at a higher temperature to get the internal temperature up exactly and so if it once it all comes to a settle like you're talking about much less la- much less mass and so i think you're probably spot on so, Mikey's probably a PhD, and he doesn't even know it yet. Yes. <laughs> Somebody gave me one. Uh, but I, I think it is one of those things that uh, people confuse what they've been told. Yeah. Everything needs to rest. Everything doesn't need to rest. And I've gotten the people that are like, that didn't, that, look at all the juices coming out. Like, yeah, maybe I didn't rest that one long enough. Yeah. But it still looked cool for the photo. In that <laughs> uh, we talked. We talked about food photography earlier. It, it's n- yeah, yeah. people that don't do food photography don't understand that. Like most of that food is almost not edible. <laughs> like by the time you're done shooting it, like yeah, it's just it's it's dead over dead. You know what I mean? And you're just like, yeah, well, we killed it. Sorry. <laughs> I did not – this is something that I'm, like, really, like, recently figuring out. <laughs> well, they, well, they did change the rules on some food photography for advertisements. I know before you were able to really, really kind of mess with stuff. Now it has to be at least somewhat, like, edible. You can't use too much um, fake, fake stuff. Like, I mean, people used to – take raw turkeys and they just take a torch to it just to crunch that skin and it's like dude you can't even eat that fucking turkey I mean, it's just it's just good yeah well but and i'm sure some people still do that to make it look pretty but it's like the photography aspect of it not everything that you think look like not everything looks great on camera looking through a lens is right. is different than being like oh that looks really good right 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i have recently brought on some really professional people that know how to do this stuff really well. Um, the fortunate thing is, is even when our product is cold, it's still good. And, and so, oh yeah. <laughs> so I, my family has been at luxury of get, eating cold steak for for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I felt like I was executing really good cooks. Yeah. And I was like, why? Whenever I took a photo of it, I was like, why does this not look like the other crap that I'm seeing on Instagram? Yeah. Which is like so much better than my stuff. Yeah. And 
at the end of the day, like, there is a 100%, like, art to it. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I mean, like, I think I, I watched your YouTube, like, uh, post about it. And it, like, I think you, like, literally hit, like, the biggest nuggets that people should take away from it, which is timing, lighting. I mean, all, yeah. All those, I mean, like, those few little things, right? Like, you get those few little things right. Yeah. And it... It in, it takes it to an entirely different level. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you if you can if you can have the lighting spot on, and then and the time the, um, sometimes the timing of when it's rusting or when it's hidden, and you just you just need to hit it. If it if it ripens a little too much, then you're like, damn, that looks fake. Yeah. Or like that just uh, doesn't doesn't photograph quite well. Right. right. But it, it it is those things. It's like you got to have good light. Um, there's, I think, too many people that are like, oh, the cell phone just does it for me. And it's like, no, we need to understand is like that cell phone has a little sensor in it, so it needs to flood even more light into it because it's a tiny fucking hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's how it is. Well, I mean, I'm going to take your word for it because, once again, you are a PhD now. I so. now <laughs> have a PhD, which is fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, where would you say you kind of, if, if you could have your way, right? Where would you pull the meat industry? Like, where would you put well, not the meat? I'm sorry, the beef industry yeah. because you're you guys do beef. You know what I would do? Honestly, I would just hit rewind. That's all I would do. Just hit rewind and have people reset. Yeah, man, I'd hit rewind. Let's take it back 150, 200 years, right? Back then, we knew what a breed was, right? Yeah, we knew what that represented. We knew that a breed from a certain area of the United States was special. And we added value to that. And I, like, so for me, if we can add value and place value on effect as opposed to efficiency, then I think that we're going to win. And I think that, in the day, like, and not me as a company, right? Like, I think the consumers are going to win because they're just kind of got so much better of an experience. So what should a consumer start to look for? When they're when they're looking for quality, right? What should they look for? Because I th- I think that's something that nobody's taught. I don't think people are taught. I I need to look for qu- not not just I need to look for quality, but they're they're saying I need to look for quality. I need to look for quality, and then they use those those you know punch words. Right? They they're like oh prime prime quality wagon right. quality right. What do I look for? CAB. Yeah. 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 No. So, honestly, the number one thing to look for is the person who raised it. That's the way to go. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, like, because at the end of the day, like, even if you were to be able to find out the breed, like, legitimately find out the breed. You still have no idea. You have no idea what that animal ate its entire life. Which, there are study after study after study that shows that it like severely impacts the flavor and texture of beef. And so we talked earlier about there are people that get in situations in which they are forced to do things that maybe they wouldn't do on a normal level or on a normal day where they would were feeding their family, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, there's some and it and it's not producers like it's not the ranching families per se but sometimes people get in a situation where antibiotics or steroids make sense to them right because they they have 
they have to get the because they have to get the steer to a certain right. We wait. Efficiency is what pays in this industry right now. It's not effect. And so if we can identify what makes these products unique, then I think that we can add value to those products by m- making them unique and making those unique experiences. Yeah. And I mean that in and of itself, like we like this has kind of become our thing where we say, you know, like we're offering consumers a unique experience one cow at a time. Yeah. And that's what we want to do is we want to give you the story behind that animal. And we want to be able to like give the opportunity to, to tell that story every time you cook that animal. And I will say the cool thing when you, when you, when you purchase product from Ryan, um, it comes with kind of like, I don't want to say a uh, a diploma, but it kind of almost looks like a diploma. You know what I mean? Because right, it's right. really, really, it's it's very, very nice. Yeah, yeah. It tells you where the what you know what breed, animal it yeah. is, what breed it is, that it was you know it's authorized. This is the this is the real thing, and I think that's really cool because if if, if you do look at when you get a certified wagyu from Japan, right. For them to do that, they're 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 very much into where's the paperwork, right? Yes. And they ask those questions, and unfortunately, we here don't ask those questions. Right, absolutely. And we're we're absolutely doing everything we can. And we, I, I can assure you, a consumer getting their product today is when they get it a year from now, it will be further improved, and not. Just the, like the product quality, because we're all always going to be pushing to improve the effect of the animal, but also the amount of information that they're getting. So that certificate that you mentioned, uh, starting this summer, every one of those will be marked with a nose print. So from the animal that it was received from, a cow's nose print is actually more unique than our thumbprint. Okay, and so just like they do in Japan. All those quote unquote anything from Kobe, like right, yeah, comes with a usually comes with a nose print from that animal, as will we, right? Also, this summer, what we are aiming to work for is that we will be pulling DNA samples on all of our products so that we can. I mean, it's the twenty three and me of cattle, yeah, and so which is the best way to explain right, it, right? We're not just telling you that we guarantee it was a certain color. Yeah, we're saying this is what the animals' breeds were, right? And so, and we can we can prove that through DNA, through DNA DNA evidence, right? And so, we are absolutely working to provide the consumer transparency and accurate transparency, right? Like, yeah. And so, you know, like that is one of those things we want to continuously up level the conversation. I want customers. I want people to have a much different conversation about beef to like tomorrow than they were yesterday and five years from now i want customers to have as much knowledge about beef as they do the wine or the coffee they consumed last weekend yeah and and that's my goal in all of this is to say hey if we can bridge this gap like your experience your um product in the day we're going to continuously just make it better and better better. better 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the cool thing with what you were saying, like, with that, customers can actually start to refine their palettes, too. Um, in saying, I like this yeah. breed of cattle. Yeah. That's what that's what tastes good to me. That's what my family likes to eat. We eat this breed. Yes. And, and that's raised, you know, wherever it shall be raised, depending on what you like, right? right. I mean, maybe you like the one that's, you know, raised in New Mexico, and you, you like that sweeter beef, and it tastes fantastic to you. Right. So yeah. with you, they're able to track. Yes. Why did that taste so good? Okay, it tasted so good because we kept that consistent. Right. So identity selection offers for preference, right? Like yeah. That, like, and people don't prefer Cabernet over Pinot Noir Merlot because it was something they just randomly happened to experience one day, right? Yeah. They come to have preference because they had the opportunity to have selection. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And and the fact that we haven't had this is such a disservice to producers, right? Like it's it's such a disservice to the families that are raising this product. Yeah. And and I will be 100% transparent to any consumer that were to ever ask me. It's like, yes, I am trying to put the best product I can in front of you, but I'm also trying to give the best opportunity to the rancher that makes that, to makes make that, that product. product. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm not, I, I also want to ensure that they are getting the right premium or to justify the, a premium for the product that they're raising because it, they don't come cheap, right? These yeah. products take two and three years to produce, right? Can you yeah. imagine if a pair of shoes took two to three years to produce? Yeah. <laughs> What's a pair of Nikes cost, right? It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to think about it. Like, the hard thing is, like, you know, it, it sounds insensitive, but man, it, it's like, you don't want to. How much do you want to pay for a pair of Nikes? You want to pay pay one hundred fifty bucks, one hundred twenty five bucks. That's that's what the average consumer. I guess there's people out there that are like, no, I'll pay way more. But the average consumer wants that down by a hundred bucks. Right. Well, if Nike made all their shoes here, guys, they wouldn't cost a hundred dollars. Right. But yeah. nobody wants nobody wants to admit that. <laughs> no one wants to be like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll pay four hundred dollars for them. No, you know you fucking won't. Yeah, yeah. You won't, right? Or you'll only buy one pair, and Nike wants you to buy six. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and that's the thing with the beef industry, right? We it to accommodate our to accommodate a request for a lower priced item. Yeah. The industry shifted to a higher volume. It, it shifted to a higher volume commodity. Yeah. And it did not then at the same time we asked for a better product and we have to decide which one we want yeah yeah you can't, like, yeah, you, you, can't you can't have a lower product you can't have a lower price product and still keep the quality still keep the quality you can't and yeah so, it just doesn't work that way yeah I mean there are a lot of ranchers right now that 
do what they do solely on pride. It's not because they're making tons of money on tons of money. They get up every day just because it, it has to do with pride. It's in their bones. It's in their blood. Yeah. And they want to hand it down to their kids if their kids so choose it, right? Yeah. And so I don't think that like, – I think that we have to make a decision, right? And I think that we as consumers need to say, hey, look, are we going to make our meals an experience? Or are we just going to try and find the cheapest product we can to, to get by? Yeah. And and if that's what your situation currently allows, there is no knock to you, right? Like I've put I've put weenies in my macaroni and cheese and thought I was walking in high cotton. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I, yeah. I've had those days, right? Yeah. But I've also had days where I got to experience some higher quality beef. And yeah. I've got to expire, experience Iberical pork, right? Like, yeah. And there are reasons that that product is special. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those have to do with breed and diet type. Yep. And so. And I, I think one of the, the things that you kind of touched upon right there was the, you know, what do we want to do? Like, what, what, what kind of food do we really want to put in our bodies? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, some people are okay with the, the 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 lower grade beef and that's fine go for it but like i think what really kind of killed and changed the industry is it was was the fast food idea you know what i mean everyone wants a quick fast easy go and right. if you look at um i mean we'll just use mcdonald's and burger king and all that think about how many pounds of beef they need yeah i wouldn't even <laughs> Like I would have no idea. I mean, but you know what I'm, I'm saying? It's, like it's I, an insane amount, right? Yeah, you gotta think like that. That's gotta be an insane amount. So like they're driving giant business yeah. that way. Oh, 100. percent So like a lot of people don't understand that like they're not paying yeah a good price. Yeah, no, they're just not because they're like, well, I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah, you 100. Percent. I mean it. it beef became a commodity yes and unfortunately the ranchers had to fall in line right and so they had to figure out ways to make it work right so that meant either buying more land to give their cattle more room to graze yeah or it meant creating more ways to make those animals more efficient yeah through genetics or through synthetics, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, like, one is cheaper than the other. And so if you are going to ask for a cheaper and cheaper product, you're going to get lesser and lesser quality. I mean, yep. it's just, unfortunately, it the, the nature of the beast, right? Yeah. You don't create a premium product for, you know, 70 cents a pound. I mean, it just, no, doesn't, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Wish it would, right? But doesn't. Doesn't happen. I just can't. Yeah, I mean, and for us, I, I make no stranger about the fact that, yeah, we we ask for what would be considered a premium product. But we also do our part. So, like, anytime a, anybody orders a box of beef, we donate two pounds of beef to either the Tarrant County Food Bank, which is the food bank closest to Close us. to you guys, right? Okay. Or we do a cook for Ronald McDonald House. Which is awesome. Yes. And so... For us right now, we are 
every time somebody places an order, we are putting an additional two pounds into the pot, right? So we're saying, hey, look, we know this is a premium product, but we're also trying to offer that to somebody else that might that, not, might not have, have that opportunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is fantastic. I think that I mean you're spreading the love. Well, I think that's really cool. You know, I think in the day like we're you know we've been blessed with the opportunity to be in the situation that we're in, right? Yeah. And you know, I think that we as stewards need to you know pass on that opportunity. So. I mean, if that's me getting to go cook for some kids, then that's my blessing. Let's go do it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a good day. Let's go fucking cook. Let's be great. (laughs) So, now, like we talked about the farm to table, like people really kind of starting to starting to figure out all that kind of stuff and wanting to know more of their stuff, and that's kind of what you're doing. You're you're almost like that, not necessarily the online butcher shop because you're you're more just beef, right? Obviously, but what would you say was the biggest, like, when you first started, what would you say was your biggest shock? Where you were like, oh, my God, I thought this was going to be easier than it actually was. Like, what was your kind of biggest hardship? Can I go? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> Dude, I'm about to piss off. I would say, the like, for me, the biggest thing that I underestimated was... Overcoming the misconceptions. Overcoming, just showing people that it's a great product where they're like, ah, I don't get it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, for them, it's, well, I can go buy Prime in my grocery store. Cool. And I'm like, okay, well, do you understand what, what that is? Like, what does Prime mean to you? Right. And most people don't understand the gratings of beef, though. No. Like they're they just they've learned the the terminology right, but the gradings that's I don't know you don't yeah, I just don't get it yeah. like they're like oh no no choice is worse than prime and wagyu is better than prime <laughs> right. and that's what I'm gonna go for right it's a pretty generic like grading system if you will I mean in my opinion I feel like. To your point, we've got in, in most retail, and you setting, don't necessarily have to get graded. What that's what some people don't understand is right. you don't have to get graded. No, absolutely not. No, I mean we're USDA inspected, but we're not graded. And the reason that we're not graded is, is we have so many different animals that are coming across. Or we have not so many different animals, but we have so many different types of animals. And a lot of the animals that we have coming across are so far beyond prime that it, it makes no... There are so many different metrics to grade that animal than just the grading, the stamp of prime, right? I mean, the, yeah. it, I would I would venture to say that probably 80% of our Does USDA grade Wagyu, though? Do they say they a Wagyu grade? No. So the furthest thing they would give you is prime. prime. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you can't go beyond prime. For the USDA metric is, and all Do that you is, see that changing. I'd love to. And, I'm know. just saying, like, because the Wagyu market, I think, is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and more people are starting to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's. I think grow it, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's going to have its impact, and and I, I would, you would, 
have to hope, right? Because those guys that are going out there and buying Wagyu genetics to introduce into their herds. Yeah. They're not doing that at a low cost. No, yeah, exactly. And so for them, you, and, and then on top of that, to get that animal, that same animal, to where he was at slaughter weight, it takes a lot more time because those animals just grow much, much slower than, than your, 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 your average commercial uh, killer cow, right? So, yeah. and, and that's a kind of a, a bad industry term, but it, unfortunately it is, right? So a, a killer cow is what we consider like a, a commercial black cow that a lot of people might think of as Angus. Okay. Um, but if you were to look at it, might not just be Angus, right? Might not be just, might not be there if we, if we pulled some DNA. <laughs> there are a lot of black cows in this world, right? Exactly. And so, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to, at some point, beg whether or not we need to create a different level of grading. And I think it's going to also, I mean, I hope that at some point we get somebody to beg the question whether or not we need to base it upon something just beyond the 13th rib. Yeah. I mean, that entire grading of that entire animal, so 450 pounds of meat is based on a one, what, 12-ounce steak? Roughly, yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a gross misrepresentation of that entire animal. Well, I just, I think, uh, and I, I could be wrong, guys, I don't do this for a, I don't grade for a living, so I could be wrong, but... I feel like you could you could look at a ribeye and be like, man, that's that's a choice ribeye. But maybe the New York strips in that in that cow have a little bit more, right? You know, it just just the way the cow the breed of the cow that it was, you know, carried it differently or whatever. And you're probably more of an expert on this than I ever would be. Yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. The one big factor into grading is the diameter of the ribeye. And there is a ton of data out there that supports different breeds have different have different traits as far as diameter, like of the ribeye muscle, right? And so you can vary greatly just amongst that, but it doesn't mean that the quality of the animal is is worse or better. Worse or better, right? Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you entirely. I think that it's a gross misrepresentation. I just don't understand why each cut isn't rated right by like by its own standards yeah i mean it, and I, I would even go as far as to say like i would love to see that we have something where individual like cuts off individual animals are pulled so that we can yeah. start to record things such as tasting profiles right like tasting notes i mean can you imagine like have you ever like gone to a wedding yeah, and, and they're like, "Oh, we're serving red wine," and it's like, "Okay, what?" I mean, and you said earlier you're not a red wine, you're yeah, not a yeah. wine drinker. Yeah. Okay, so I'll use this analogy instead yeah. in lieu of right. You've been r- riding down the road with your like your wife, and you reach over and you accidentally grab her drink, and you were drinking Coke, and you grabbed her tea. It tastes like garbage whenever you aren't. When you when you're expecting expecting something, cer- something right. different, and you drink something different, it even though that yes. might, that that second drink might be something that you love dearly, right? Yeah, but it's it's and you get that immediate like, yeah. what the what did I just put in my mouth? Absolutely. 
if, if so, I think that if we can start to understand what these products are, right, and we can start to actually start talking about how they taste, yeah, then we can start conditioning ourselves to like, especially even consumers that are maybe getting into it, right, as to like segueing them into what that experience might be like, right? Well, yeah, that's a. I think it's a big. I think what you just kind of just touched on right there is huge in the sense that if I'm expecting to drink Coke, right. but I take a sip of tea, it's going to be a different thing. And I can, you know, you might say, oh, you know, that one wasn't good. Right. And it's like, why wasn't it good? Yeah. What, it, it's still something you like, right? Right. And it's like, yeah, but it just wasn't good. Well, why wasn't it good? Because uh, it wasn't the flavor profile that I was expecting. Right. Yeah, no, I... So, my very first job out of college, I had the opportunity to work for a company where I was selling wine, which is crazy that they put this redneck in charge of <laughs> selling wine. But we sat, they said, oh, dear Lord, we have to train you how to how drink to, wine. How to, how to, yeah. And, and so, they put me in, in the room with this guy. His name's Guy Stout. He's still in Texas, and he is a stud. He was a master sommelier, right? And so he had, we walk into a room and he has all these glasses of wine laid out in front of us. And um, he says, all right, we're going to go through a wine tasting today and I want you guys to sit down and take a drink of water and then we're going to get on the first one. So we sit down, take a drink of water, get on the first one. And he's like, okay, take a drink of that, tell me what you think. Take a drink of it, tell me what you think. Okay. And we move to the second product. And he's like, okay, take a drink of this one. He's like, this one's actually gotten some good reviews and... It you know, was rated as this, this, and this, and it rated a couple tasting notes. And so we go, okay. And then take the third one, and he's like, this one actually is from this region of the world, and it was rated this, and it has this tasting notes, and that. And then so we get to the fourth one, and he's like, this was the vintner, right? This well, is the tasting yeah. note, right? Who walks us through the entire thing, and he's like, okay, now I want you to rate them all. Of course, every one of us rated the fourth, the last wine that we drank the highest. first, right? And he was like, "Or yeah, for right? yeah. And so we pull it back, and it was all the same damn bottle of wine, right? In the day, he was just telling us what to expect. Yeah, he was giving you, he was giving right. you like that, that pre. Yeah, he was pre. He was helping our brain like precondition ourselves for our palate, right? Like so, yeah. like what our palate was about to experience, and so. And it enhanced the experience that much, right? And so I think that we can – and it's not about doing some, like, tomfoolery move, right, where we trick somebody into thinking that something's better than it is. Yeah. But it's also allowing them to experience it for what it is. But what I don't and, – and, and with what you're saying, it, it is very interesting because um, a good friend of mine, uh, guys, if you've ever uh, – or seen some of our pizza posts uh, Ask Leo Pizza uh, He's a fantastic dude uh, Amazing cook school uh, Just really really cool dude Whenever he cooks pizza for me And we, we talk about stuff He breaks down that ingredients So much right. Like it's the, the You know the olive oil came from this place in Italy, the the um, the flour came from this. And he right. breaks it really down, yeah. 
and it's so important to him. And it, I'm not saying that it's not important to me, but I'm just saying the way he's very, very passionate about it, and it, it's it's an amazing thing to see. Yeah. And a lot of people do that with a lot of different things. Wine people here, like you said, yeah. it's from this vineyard. It, it did this, 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 this. It's very important. Yeah. But then when we get to beef and pork and chicken, right. everyone's like, hey, it's beef, pork, and chicken. Right. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Guys, this is prime. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> they don't break it down like that, but right. they should because, like you said, the differences are so huge. Like, um, a lot of people are breaking down the, uh, well, uh, the Australian Wagyu. Right. You know, they're like saying, oh, it's from Australia and it's this, 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 this. And we talked earlier about European cows that are over there. The fat is more yellow right. because they are full gray or full, um, full grass. Right. Yeah. So clearly it does something different to the cow. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like they, you're, 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 you're visually seeing it. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple studies that show, I mean, like if you put a cow on a certain feed type, the volatile compounds on that beef is are significantly different than an animal on a different feed type. So, say just for just pulling brand types yeah, out, yeah. out of the air, right? So we said corn, corn versus uh, Bermuda grass. The volatile compounds between those two animals are significantly different. And so, and and then if you were to even strip, and it's like if you take the same two two breeds of cow, right? They're gonna they're gonna taste differently because of what they're eating. Absolutely, and if you strip the if you strip the hide off of them, right? And you were to look at those two animals, the grain finished animal is going to have a much different appearance than that of the grass fed finished or the Bermuda grass finished animal. And so, yeah, I mean, you are one hundred percent right. Like, it is like the food that like those animals eat and they consume impacts their flavor and texture as much as does their breed right and you saw today not only how much diet but also feed type i mean or also breed type so you you go from a wagyu angus cross to a full blood wagyu or full blood wagyu yeah it's a whole different game and it like it is without question a completely different animal and so and you're talking about something that is a half brother, yeah, right? You know, and so you you just take that one little element out, and I just think like it blows my mind because like we do this with everything else. Yeah, why did we lose it there? Why why did we drop the ball? Because there are a lot of big, or there's, there's a lot of money. <laughs> there's there are a few companies that have a that, lot of money that wanted you to drop the ball. Volume. Yeah, that need you to think it's just one product. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it, it's it's really not. And I uh, if they're if they're if there are slaughtering a hundred thousand cows a day, they cannot recognize the difference in those animals. It all has to be the same product. Right, and it, I mean, it just isn't. It is, no. I mean, like, in, uh, you know, you saw firsthand today, right? Yeah. And, and and that's not to say that this wasn't your first time to probably yeah. recognize that, but like, but there's a lot of consumers out there that still don't, and they haven't had the opportunity to. 
Yeah. And, that, and that's my thing. I, I don't, I mean, I raise animals for our website, right? Yeah. But I also represent a good number of other ranches that represent, that sell animals on our website. I would just as much rather you buy animals from them as, as me. Yeah. Like, and, and that is 100% the God's honest truth is I would rather you promote them than me. You know, like I just want to help make the introduction. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So we'll kind of wrap up into this. When the consumer comes to your website, right? Walk us through kind of what. Yeah. What they're going to be considering it's it's a little different than than going on like your I, I feel like it's a little different than going on your regular beef ordering website where you just say okay I want six steaks I want six I want I want six ribeyes I want six blah blah blahs I want right. this I want ground beef and then okay yeah. show up at my door two days later <laughs> yeah no from you get kind of there's two uh, two ways to skin the cat right like you can either crowdfund an animal that's still on the hoof that's still on the ranch or you can buy beef that's ready to ship to you right now on if you do crowdfund the animal how long until ship so once that animal is a hundred percent funded it generally takes about 18 days 18 to 21 days okay for it to be transported harvested and aged and then sent to your door okay okay um, and a lot and of that, cut like, down, obviously. right. And they, like, don't, they don't send the whole animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, as far as the, the beef that's ready to ship to you, you can go to the beef button and you, you can select from that. You can select, you can filter by breed. You can filter by diet type. You can filter by the ranch. So if you want to find something that's sourced locally yeah. like in your area, um, <clears throat> or you can filter by the cut even. So if you've got a cut of beef that you can't source in your local area, uh, you can drop down that filter. And say, I want, I want I these. Want I want a hanger steak, right? Yeah. Or I want a Denver or I want a picanha. Um, and and it will show all the boxes that have. That, now, that, what what's available. Right. Absolutely. Now, and as mentioned before, you know, we ask that consumers – Right now, we're asking consumers to buy a box of beef, right? So it's we're saying, hey, in order to avoid that waste that we spoke of earlier that ha- traditionally happens in the retail level, we want you to experience a little bit more of the animal. So if you buy, you know, say you buy, um, you know, two pounds of picanha or yeah, two pounds of ribeye, you know, with that, we're going to include a couple pounds of short ribs. Yeah, so you can eat. Give so those you can a try. experience those as, as well, right? A couple pounds of ground beef, and that way we can mitigate our uh, pressure that happens, right? The yep. shelf pressure that happens on those middle meats, and we can, can we don't have to add these huge costs to our marquee items, right? Yeah, uh, and then also we give you a better experience. But I think, I think you're, yeah, you're getting a better, you're you're getting to experience new things. Yes, maybe they're scary. Yes, maybe they're they're you know nothing that you would regularly do. But I think a lot of the listeners of this podcast are are, are open to that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like these, these dudes are and chicks. I mean, you guys are most of you guys are ready to go and let let let's cook some good shit. Yeah, and they're gonna go on you know they're gonna go on YouTube or they're gonna go on. Uh, 
they're going to go on Instagram and they're going to figure out how do I make that the best thing ever? And it, it, for a lot, of, I'm sure a lot of our listeners is that that's a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exploring and discovery. Yeah, it's that's a lot what of fun. it's about, right? Yeah. It, and shit, you may find something that you didn't know you loved. Yes, a hundred percent. And you know, for us, our content is from you know, kind of this point moving forward, our content is going to be focused on those lesser known cuts, right? So we're going to focus on how to uh, utilize those cuts yeah, and, and where they come from, how they are, how they best shine. And so, like I said, every ounce of our being is about up-leveling the conversation around beef to up-level consumers' experience with it. Now, a lot of times different regions call things differently, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you guys do to combat that? Is there, Are you guys doing anything for that? Or is that kind of just – I know that's difficult because you then you have to kind of know each specific yeah. region. So that's a hard one. So uh, That's a good point. Um, at the end of the day, we have a chat button on So you can website. talk. Okay, yeah. perfect. And that goes directly to my cell phone. Two in the morning, guys. Yes. All the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I mean. Ryan's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I don't have babies to raise. <laughs> no, I mean, in quite literally, I love being able to walk through, like, somebody through. Walk through process. a cut, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and I love being able to talk, through, like, what, what they can do with that. Uh, so, and if they're saying, like, hey, I'm looking for a Colette, right? And Colette is also a Bacania, right? Okay. And so if if that's the case, right, and, and you're like, hey, I know what is this, I guarantee you I can help you find what you're looking for. Yeah, um, Google right? will also probably help yeah, you. Google. <laughs> that old Google machine. Right? That old Google machine just helps you out. <laughs> no, but I think, I think that's really difficult because um, there is times where, you know, butchers will call it something different. Yeah. And then you – you don't know what to ask for, and so many people are so scared. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, there's a little bit of an error that comes with that, right? To, yeah. You know, there's a little bit of a holier than thou. I cut your beef. I know what I'm. Ta- <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How I get kicked out of butcher shops? Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, and but at the end of the day, if if people are unhappy with your the questions that you're asking. Yeah, then you gotta go somewhere else, bro. Yeah, I mean, either I mean, like, you're not like, no, it one hundred percent has to do with the fact that you're not asking the right audience, right, or the right questions, questions, or not. It's not, not even the right, the right answer. Not you're not asking the right questions. The person that you're asking is not, not the right, right person to right, ask that question. Right person to answer the question for you. And I think I think a lot of people push back on that because they're they're like, uh, I don't know the answer to that. Right. So, but I'm supposed to be the expert. Right. So I'm gonna hit you with some smart ass. So I'm gonna be I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stump you so you have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, and you know, I'm from Texas. I mean, you know. Um, there, we always call it the like the gun shop air, right? Like you walk into a gun shop, and any guy that walks is sitting behind the counter has got this air about him. And if you see something you weren't privy to, 
he makes you feel like an idiot for not being privy to it, right? Like, yeah, for not knowing everything right, yeah. about every gun known to mankind. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that way. We should go in there as, especially as consumers, we should go into an opportunity like expecting to learn something, yeah. right? And take something away from it. And if we can't do that, then man, I, I hate that. Like, I want to be that resource for people. I grew up in this life, right? I grew up raising cattle. It's in my blood. You know, I left a career that I felt like I was pretty good at in order to get back what I knew was in my bones. Yeah. And I did it to help because I saw how much disconnect there were from consumers to producers. Right? Yeah. And it... That disconnect was not helping either of those two parties. Yeah. It was only helping the people in between. And so it was like, man, damn it, how do we get to the point where we can get those guys talking again? And, and we can just increase the experience overall. Yeah. So here we are. That's true. Dude, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for, yeah. for flying from Texas to Chicago in, 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 uh, in February, I know this podcast is going to come out in a little bit from here, but uh, we brought a Texas boy to the cold, um, and he, he dealt pretty well, uh, <laughs> uh, bringing out some amazing product, letting us letting us do some more tasting on it. Um, I think it, it, it was fantastic. Uh, so I like to end the podcast in kind of a cool, unique way. Yeah. If you could go back from what you know now to when you first started. And give yourself three tips to shorten up that learning curve. What would your three tips be? Um, one, avoid a courier service that wears brown colors. <laughs> <laughs> Certain couriers, they don't, they don't work too well. I'm teasing. Uh, no, um, you know, one is constantly search out the people that are looking for the same things that you are, right? Yep being producers and consumers. Um, you know, and I feel like that just inevitably allows you to surround yourself with the best people, yeah. which is number two. And, uh, you know, number three is don't ever act like you are not a student of the game. I have been raised around this my entire life. And I will never assume that I know more than the next guy because I promise there is still something to learn. I mean, just, just like the guys that have been in the wine industry forever, right? Yeah. Those guys are constantly learning, right? And if you think that you are have got it figured out... There's somebody else you, right there. You need to step aside. Yeah, you know? there's somebody else right you know? there that's and going so to... We're constantly learning, and I want to learn with my customers, right? Like, I, if, if you have feedback... Please tell me. Like, yeah, I want to hear it. You know, I love to hear that because, what, like we talked about earlier, taste is subjective, right? Well, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, one person, one person can say, "Oh my god, this tastes phenomenal." The next person's like, "Yeah, it's okay." Yeah, and that's why we offer a multitude of different products, right? Like, as far yeah. as beef is concerned, yeah, yeah. So as far as there, there's different flavors than just beef. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and once again, thank you so much for coming on yeah. the product or, or on the podcast. Can you please tell everyone where they can find the product, where they can follow your story on the internet, all that fun stuff. Absolutely. So go to 
renboss.com, so R-E-N-B-O-S.com. Uh, on Instagram, we are Ren and Boss. Uh, on not underscore, it's and. Yeah, I, no. I, I'm a whor- I'm a, <laughs> I tag them all the time. I'm still like, why does it not come up? Why is the underscore not coming up? I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think that it's like this authoritative complex that you might have. That yeah, like, just, you're trying to like put me down here or something. No, not at all. <laughs> I think it's because like uh, I, I run an Instagram also that instead of using the and sign. We use the underscore. Oh, yeah. So in my head, it like, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you have to keep in mind, I'm a redneck trying to make his best attempt <laughs> at running an Instagram <laughs> handle, right? <laughs> so, um, but no, on uh, Facebook, I believe we're, we are Ren Boss on Facebook. Or Ren and Boss. Either way. Google it. Yeah, just just check us out. Well, I promise we, you'll find us. So. You find the Instagram, and that's all that you need to go because there's a link from the from the Instagram directly to the website, and it's perfect, and that's yes. where you order. So, guys, thank you so much, and we'll chat soon.